Welcome everyone to the Courageous Truth Podcast. I'm honored that you have chosen to stop by today. Today I'm going to weigh in on my thoughts on the spiritual significance of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and what this means for our nation, what that means for us as believers, what does that mean for the culture, and really try to display some of the spiritual attacks that are taking place behind that. I know that it could be a little controversial, and that's why I want to talk about it. And as a pastor, I want to give my thoughts and my hearts and what I've been discerning behind it. And uh, we're going to look at Esther chapter 3 and really compare that chapter to what is taking place in our culture through the media, through the mainstream narrative, and how it's playing out in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. So I hope that this blesses you. I hope that it inspires you, encourages you to take a courageous stand for the truth. Please enjoy this episode. Welcome everyone to the Courageous Truth Podcast, where we strive to live courageously through the lens of scripture and build courageous lives in a world that is driven by fear. Your host is a proud parent, a proud pastor, a proud business owner, and a proud American. Tune in today for your dose of courageous truth. And now, your host, Eric Lundberg. Thank you for stopping by the Courageous Truth Podcast. Glad that you have chosen to spend a little bit of time with me today. I want to talk today about something that is happening right now. It could be called a current event. As I am recording this today, taking place right now, is the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, there's a lot of trials going on worldwide. This one has captured national attention for some of the events that happened in the summer of 2020, almost a year and a half ago, August 2020, following the police shooting of a man named Jacob Blake. We're going to touch on a couple of the facts surrounding the case, but really, it's, I, I want to touch on the prophetic meaning and the spiritual battle that's taking place behind it and why I believe Christians, believers, church leaders should be paying very close attention to this case and what, what's going on and really the aftermath of whatever the verdict is. But before we get into that, I want to read a scripture out of Esther chapter 7. In the first month, this is Esther chapter 3, I'm so sorry, Esther chapter 3 verse 7. This is what the Word of God says. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Xerxes, they cast purr. That is, they cast lots before Haman day after day, and they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the providences of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws, so that it is not the king's profit to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may be put into the king's treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman the Agite, 
the son of Hamadathia, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money is given you, the people also, to do with them as it seems good to you. Now we know from biblical history, King Xerxes was rather a buffoon, a drunken sucker, a drunken moron of a king. Haman took advantage of him, connived, manipulated him into basically ordering the genocide of the Jewish people. As you go through and you, you, you read this very prophetic, beautiful book, you will know that God comes and uses Queen Esther and Mordecai to not only deliver the Jews, but bring what is due to Haman, the evil man who set his heart against the Jewish people. I would strongly encourage you to read that book of the Bible. But when I, when I read this book, or when I read this scripture, I can't help but think how this plays into what is happening right now in our culture, in our country, really around the world. And that is an attack on the Christian people. That is a tra- a, an attack on those who have set their heart towards morality, who have set their heart toward ethics, those who raise their families, ra- run their businesses honestly, those who go about their day and they don't want to give in to this progressive Antichrist culture. It is an attack on those people because they don't have a moral compass that lines up with the culture, that lines up with what the mainstream media, who is one of the biggest liars, one of the biggest to blame organizations that is putting out propaganda and lies and controlling a narrative of society. And it's flat out evil. There is a plot, a spirit of Haman, if I may say so. So, as I have watched very briefly the Kyle Rittenhouse case, and I remember when it happened, so I want to throw out just a couple of facts about the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. August 2020, there was a man named Jacob Blake who had warrants pending for third-degree sexual assault, aggravated assault, trespassing, who was in fact breaking that no-contact order with his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, I can't remember exactly what the relationship was at that time, but he was breaking that no-contact order. They were called to the scene. The police were called to the scene. Jacob Black was not cooperating. He was not following the orders of the officers. He ran around the car that was in the area of the time of the confrontation between himself and the police officers, leaned in and grabbed a knife. And you can see all of this on videotape, viewer discretion is advised. As he reached for the knife, he was shot in the back by one of the police officers seven times. So, and of course, riots ensued. People were claiming police brutality. The NBA playoffs were happening at this time um, in Orlando, Florida. All the, the NFL players, so many different Athletes were putting the name of Jacob Black, carrying him like a social justice hero. This man was a sexual assailant for digitally raping his girlfriend. He was a criminal that had a criminal past and a criminal mindset and criminal 
actions in this situation. Should he have been shot seven times? I don't think it mattered. Like, in all actuality, if he was shot one time, I believe that the same results would have taken place. Now, he was painted as a hero, as a father. Pictures of him blasted all over the world holding his little daughter and and painted out by the media to be this beautiful human, this beautiful loving father, which is such a twist, such a propaganda campaign to turn people against the police, against law, against morality. And so the media can control a narrative. There were so many NBA players and NFL players. They wore his name on their helmets, on the back of their jerseys. One of the biggest activists in the NBA, LeBron James, came out and spoke of the the hero that Jacob Blake was and the absolute horror that these cops were and so on and so forth. And he began to say how he was afraid for his sons to walk down the street because they were a hunted race. LeBron James is one of the biggest morons on the planet with one of the biggest platforms, and that's dangerous. But I digress. I hope he finds Jesus, actually. When I think about this case, when I think about the Rittenhouse case, I can't help but think about the death of George Floyd, and I compare these two things. Because we're in a battle here, and this battle isn't about Kyle Rittenhouse, and this battle wasn't about so much George Floyd or Jacob Blake or any of these pawns that the media is doing. We are in a battle, ladies and gentlemen, between truth and lies, between fiction and nonfiction, between freedom and oppression, between good and evil, between Christianity versus the state, between people and the media. Now, here's what we know about the George Floyd case, and I've, I've talked about it a few different times on this podcast. You can go back to further episodes. I'll try and link in the, in the show notes back to them. Well, here's what we know about George Floyd. George Floyd was a violent criminal. We know that. He had spent nine, ten years, eight or nine, ten years in prison. He was a convicted felon. At the time of his death, he was high on fentanyl. He was trying to cash a fake $20 bill. Okay. Does any of that deserve the punishment of death. No, it does not. Of course it doesn't. I even said in my podcast that George Floyd did not deserve to die that day. But that was a man with his history of being violent, holding a gun to a pregnant woman during a robbery to which he spent six years. I believe it was six years. You can go and fact check me on that. He spent a period of time in prison because of that. He was celebrated as a global icon. Statues all around the world, murals were painted of this man, George Floyd. His beautiful, loving soul. Pastors flocked to his funeral. Christian believers put George Floyd's picture in their churches, so on and so forth. Now, Let's compare this now to the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, if you watch video proof of everything that Kyle Rittenhouse went through, the situations that he had, it proves 
that everything that he that this was in fact self-defense deaths. Why does the media not like him? Why does the media hate Kyle Rittenhouse so much? Why do they go and paint him as this domestic terrorist? You want to know why? Because this 17-year-old boy challenged the power of the media and he dared go into a zone where Black Lives Matter protesters were protesting. He dared to go in there to bring law and order because it was, of course, a police, an anti-police riot. And one thing we know about Black Lives Matter protests, they turn very violent. People die. I remember seeing video footage that same year of Black Lives Matter protests beating a 80-year-old woman with a two-by-four, beating people to death in the streets that were protecting their shops, beating them with bricks, kicking them in the face until they were dead. These videos went viral. Now, why were none of them brought to trial? Where's the outrage around them? That fits the narrative. That fits the media narrative. Lies versus the truth. Now, a couple things that we need to know about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Number one, the big public outrage against him is he was from out of state. He came into Kenosha, Michigan from out of state. Well, the fact of the matter is he worked as a lifeguard in Kenosha. So he was there with a friend to protect the communities. Why? Because the police wouldn't. Should he have came that day? I don't know. Was it a good choice to him? I don't know. I bet you if you ask him right now, he will say it was a poor choice. But the fact of the matter is he was there nonetheless, and he was there to offer medical support to people. A 17-year-old boy. He wasn't at home smoking pot or playing video games. He was there trying to help a situation in a community that was being burnt to the ground by Black Lives Matter protesters in protest of a sexual assailant being shot, and he didn't die. He didn't even die. So let's look at this. Now you can look at the video footage and you can see mobs of at least 15 people chasing Kyle Rittenhouse down the streets as he was running to get police aid because police were not in the area. It was every man for himself. Okay. Another thing they argue, the, the, the court of public opinion will say, why did he have an AR-15? He's too young. Well, that is a ridiculous argument, and I'm going to tell you why. Why did some of those people that were out there on the streets have guns? It doesn't matter your age. The people out there on the streets are just, they're, they're probably more irresponsible. They didn't know how to carry a handgun. They didn't know how to do any of these things. Kyle Rittenhouse was obviously trained with his firearm. He did not go there to murder people like the mainstream media would say. They want to use Kyle Rittenhouse as a sacrificial lamb to push a authoritarian agenda across on the people. It's evil, ladies and gentlemen. It's evil. Let's look at the three men that Kyle Rittenhouse killed. I'm going to go through this very quickly just so I can throw some facts out there. Number one was Joseph Rosenbaum. He was a child molester and he was on medication. We see him chasing. Kyle Rittenhouse through a parking lot around some cars to where he was shot and killed. And you can watch this on video, and the video shows that he was being chased, throwing objects. Maybe it was a Molotov cocktail. I, I'm not sure exactly what it was. It's, it's kind of dark. 
but a child molester on medication who was just relieved from released from a mental ward. That tells you what kind of person he was, what kind of mental state he was in. And then, of course, you have Gage Grosgoitz. He had a, he actually survived being shot by Kyle Rittenhouse. And you can watch this video, 12 to 15 people chasing Kyle down the street, kicking him. Kyle falls. They come up. They're kicking him in the head. They're hitting him. They're throwing things at him. He is, his life is in danger. He is going to die if he does not do something. What has history of these riots shown us? They will be killed. They're out. That is attempted murder. Not what Kyle was doing. That was attempted murder. So we see Gage Grosgoitz pull out, and you can see it on video, pull out a pistol, which he did not have a license for, which he was concealing illegally, not that it matters, and he, had, he pointed the gun at Kyle Rittenhouse, and at that point, Kyle shot one shot and shot him in the arm. And he even admitted on the stand that he did not get shot until the pistol was pointed at him. Now, they're not putting this guy on on trial. They're only putting Kyle on trial. This is a media trial, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, this is an evil demonic attack. And then, of course, there's Anthony Huber, who grabbed Kyle's gun, attempted to hit him, in fact, did hit him multiple times with a skateboard. He was shot and killed in the middle of the street. And we see Kyle breaking down in tears on the stand talking about this. And then you have the fool, LeBron James, who slammed Kyle Rittenhouse. LeBron James, the same LeBron James who, who wore on his, the back of his jersey. We have NBA players protesting playoff games by not showing up because they, you have LeBron James saying he just had some lemon. Where's the tears? Where's the tears? What an absolute fool. LeBron James should be fined for that, but he won't. Why? Because he works for the mainstream narrative. So what is all this about? So we see all these things, okay? All right, you know, Pastor Eric, this is just another different, this is just another case. There's going to be another one, and you know what? Unfortunately, you're probably right. But as believers, how do we respond to this? How do we see through what's happening in the natural to see what's happening in the supernatural? What's happening supernaturally behind this case, behind all these cases that we've seen? What's the real comparison here? Now, we see what we're seeing is the true exposure of the differing ideologies and the truth that we are, and we are being brainwashed by the agenda-driven propaganda media. I want you to listen to this clip right now of different news reporters giving their take on Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, you can see plainly on video, actually pretty good footage considering how dark it is in the streets of Kenosha, you can see the footage. And it is very clear, by bo and body language says a lot. You can look at the evidence without any words being spoken and realize who's in the right or who's in the wrong. I want you to take a listen to the clip right now of the media slamming Kyle Rittenhouse, calling him a white supremacist and all these things. Listen to this clip right now. Not or could not. Here's a sample of that media coverage. Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, a vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, 
the armed teenage vigilante. A 17-year-old vigilante, arguably a domestic terrorist, picked up a rifle, drove to a different state to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, a guy who's deeply racist, went with weapons to a Black Lives Matter protest, looking to get in trouble. He did. He murdered a couple of people. Rittenhouse, uh, the 17-year-old kid, just running around, shooting and killing protesters. You see the 17-year-old who was radicalized by Trumpism, took his AR-15 to Kenosha and became a killer. A white, Trump-supporting, MAGA-loving, uh, Blue Lives Matter, social media uh, uh, partisan, 17 years old, picks up a gun, drives from one state to another with the intent to shoot people. A 17-year-old boy who drove across state lines with an AR-15 and started uh, shooting people up, including a guy with a skateboard, that's what they're calling the 17-year-old kid. Now, should he be punished for any... Should those people have been shot? Should Kyle Rittenhouse face any kind of punishment? I guess it's up to, kind of up to the courts to decide. Should he have been there with... If he had a gun, there, like, there's no way to know what could have happened. What if he was being chased down the street and he didn't have a gun? Would, would the first person he shot... Joseph Rosenbaum, would he have been shot that night? Maybe Joseph Rosenbaum would have gone on to kill him. There's so many differing scenarios that we just don't know. So I'm not here to really base that. I'm really here to just let people know the facts. We see the exposure of the real ideological battle in our culture. Because George Floyd, who was a black man, Kyle Rittenhouse, who I believe is Mexican and white, one is painted a hero, cultural icon, George Floyd. Pictures are up all over the world. Who is a convicted felon, at least six times in prison. And then Kyle Rittenhouse, who came there to give medical attention because he knew that these riots were going to be bad. He didn't, he didn't come there to kill people. He came there to offer protection to a community that desperately needed it. And we can see the attack by the media. And what does that tell us about the state of our world? We are, in, we are in a spiritual battle, ladies and gentlemen, that if we don't engage in, and if we don't take a courageous stand for what is actually true, what is actually true, the facts we know about the Kyle Rittenhouse case, that's true. What we know about who George Floyd was was true. There are certain things that we can't possibly weigh in on. We can't possibly weigh in on. We have our opinions, but there are certain things. This is an attack on, to me, this is an attack on Christianity because however this case comes out to be, who are they going to point, start pointing fingers at? It's going to be subtle, but this is my prediction. They will start pointing fingers at white Christians, white evangelical Christians because they supported Kyle Rittenhouse. They supported him, and they, they, they stood for him and all these different things. They love to blame white evangelicals. I was reading a news article a couple days ago from about a year ago, and it, it's an a MSNBC article, and it said racism among white Christians is higher than among non-religious that's no coincidence. 
So basically what they're doing is they're taking public polls to talk about how Christians, white Christians, are racist. And it's easy to paint that picture because so many Christians were campaigning for Donald Trump. Why were we campaigning for Donald Trump? Well, Donald Trump, quote, lost, unquote, the election. We won't even get into the fraud and the illegal activity. We can't even get into that. It's too convoluted. But why? Because of the pro-biblical policies. Israel, life, freedom, the non-controlling and overreach of government. Okay? That's why we voted for Trump. But they began, the media used white evangelicals as an excuse and as a scapegoat as to why there was so much support behind Donald Trump. They're calling Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist. So whatever happens with this case, and if he gets off and he doesn't get charged with murder, which he shouldn't because murder is premeditated, none of this was premeditated, the, the, like, it proves it. It's kangaroo court. What we have to understand that this isn't an attack, and this is how I'm going to end it with this thought. This is not an attack on Kyle Rittenhouse. This is an attack on morality. This is an attack on Christian faith and Christian values and family values and conservative values. That's what this is an attack on. And if Kyle Rittenhouse gets off, which I believe he's going to, and I pray that he does get off, at least away from murder, I don't know if he'll face any fines or jail time for the people that died because they did die. He did shoot them. Bottom line is this. We're in a spiritual battle and we are seeing it played out before our very eyes. And as believers, as Christians, obviously we don't need to give our hearts and our souls and all of our attention to these cases and watching it 12 hours a day, but I do believe we need to pay attention. We need to ask God, what is happening spiritually behind these things? Because I believe as believers, we need to be engaged in the public square. We need to know what's going on around us. There is a prophetic display that is taking place right now, and if we're discerning, we're going to see it. It's an attack on freedom, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to use this to take away our guns or attempt to take away our guns. If they can take away our guns, we're going to end up just like Australia, under complete totalitarian control. We're not going to be able to have any freedoms. So my, my challenge to you as we end this episode, as you look at this case, as you look at what happened over the last couple of years, I believe 2020 was a year where everything was exposed. And if you can't see it, then you just haven't been discerning. You haven't been paying attention. You're distracted by a virus. The COVID-19 virus is a distraction. It's real. I know people that have died from it. I know people that are sick from it. Same with the vaccine. I know people that have died from the vaccine and people who have gotten sick from the vaccine. So that's not the issue. They've got us fighting over those things while we're not paying attention to what is really going on. We're looking at what the right hand's doing while the left hand is doing the real damage. So as we continue to take a courageous stand for the truth, I want you to pay attention, ladies and gentlemen, to what's going on. I want you to keep your head in God's word, your eyes in God's word. Go back to the book of Esther and you're going to see plotting and scheming against morality and against God's people. And ultimately, that's what this is an attack on. So I want you to consider these things, consider what I've said, continue to take a courageous stand for the truth, have these conversations with your friends and family. Make sure that you like, subscribe. Let's share this episode. Let's share this podcast. 
Let's continue to be speaking truth, continue to be talking about what is going on in our world today. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to be prayerful, you need to be discerning, and you need to be vocal about what is really happening. It's not going to be popular. It's not going to be popular if you're a believer and you talk about these issues. But you know what? These things are issues to God. God cares about justice. God gave us this world to steward. And I don't think we've ever really done that good of a job. So this is Pastor Eric signing out. Thank you for stopping by the Courageous Truth Podcast. I play this episode blessed to you, informs you. Go out, do some good uh, research. The mainstream lying propaganda media is going to be overtaking YouTube. But if you dig deep, if you go to trending politics, you can find a lot of the real information and the real video clips about what's going on. I'm going to try and link that into the show notes and hope that it gives you a greater view of what is really happening. Because the bottom line is this, and I've said it before, I'm going to keep saying it. This is a prophetic battle. This is a spiritual battle that's happening all around us. As believers, we have authority to push back the forces of darkness over our nation, our community, our families, and our lives. So God bless you. Continue to take a courageous stand for the truth. Like, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Courageous Truth Podcast. We live in a world that is in desperate need of courage and in desperate need of truth. Our prayer is that this podcast will equip and inspire you to live courageously for your family, your community, your God, and for your country. Be courageous in your stand for truth in a world that is completely abandoned. See you next time right here at the Courageous Truth Podcast. Remember, truth requires courage.